Time once again for T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL alongside site publisher Tim Watts. It is the final edition of T. Watts and TR for the month of March 2023. March Madness winding down. It is doing so, Tim Watts, without the Alabama Crimson Tide following UA's 71-64 loss last Friday night. In the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA Men's Tournament, we'll talk about that with you. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk a myriad of topics with you here on T. Watts and TR. We're going to get that mailbag coming up later in the program as well. But, of course, we start with basketball. Tim, nine-point lead for the Crimson Tide there in the second half of the loss to San Diego State. At that point, how comfortable or were you comfortable with Alabama's place in that game. You know, it was. We've seen this before. We discussed it on the last podcast, how they're around. They're around. Next thing you know, they're up, you know, we said nine, nine, 11 points. Next thing you know, they're up 18 points. But I think they were up eight back-to-back turnovers. That's when I said, that's this is not going well. Couldn't shoot the ball. I still think it was a great matchup for Alabama. I think it was set up for Alabama to – uh, to be in the Elite Eight, I think it was a good matchup. It's just the shooting. I mean, you kind of knew if Bama went out of a tournament game, barring a couple of teams like maybe a Kansas or a Texas or a UConn, uh, that it would be really, really ugly. I think I always knew that if they went out, you know, it was going to be really, really ugly. And I think that's what they did. No shooting, uh, three of 27. Boy, just that, they were barely above 30% from the rest of the field. So just a just a you know a complete game that got away even in it late with a you know a silly foul down two so just just one of those games and it kind of just looked like they finally hit that wall as a team and uh, you know that was it. Yeah, I think everyone points to Brandon Miller because he's obviously the catalyst, the best player on this Alabama team, perhaps the best player in all of college basketball for this season and. You wondered how the rest of the cast would respond in a situation this deep in the tournament. It's different, right? It's not the same thing as picking up the slack in January or February. You get into late March, the stakes go up, the pressure ratchets up. And uh, from that perspective, it's easy to, again, just look at Brandon Miller's offensive struggles really in all three rounds of this tournament. But I thought the guard position in general, uh, Javon Quinterly had obviously done a lot to to help in that area, uh, not only as just a, a point guard, but really as a lead guard, a scorer. Um, but some of those issues carried over into the tournament as well. And Alabama not able to get enough production from those guys. And look, give San Diego State a lot of credit. We knew going into that game Friday night, this is a defensive basketball team. And the other side of it, too, to Alabama scoring issues Tim, was the fact that defensively Alabama broke down a little bit there in the second half. San Diego State able to score 43 points in the final 20 minutes. So even in games where we've seen Alabama maybe not be as prolific offensively, its defense had picked up the slack. And even on that end uh, against SDSU, wasn't able to do that as much. Yeah, I mean, going to Miller, you know, and nobody said this to me, but um, and I doubt being the kind of kid he is that he'd ever use it as an excuse. But this tournament wasn't the same. The minute he was he had armed guards, you know, protecting him, he just never looked the same. Now, part of that could be the injury. 
Um, but they can, they're never going to convince me that's not in his head to some degree. Obviously, the injury and not practicing much, but I mean, the guys, three of 19 from the field, had almost half their turnovers with six of 14. Um, you know, just, just not the game you expected uh, from Brandon Miller. And of course, they feed off him, but you're right, the role players. And again, they were in this game several times. The final score looks probably a little worse than it actually was, but they were in this game, had a chance to take over. That's the thing about the tournament. You know, you know I don't want to say it's a crapshoot because it's a not, but it's you get hot at the right time, you can make a run. I mean, we're looking at seeds right now, two fives, a four, and a nine. I mean, this is not <laughs> – that is not what me and you grew up to. Me and you grew up to one, Chalk. one, yeah. one, two, one, one two, and three. And we're like, oh, my God, <laughs> a three made it. A three, you know, we were all shocked a three made it. So that's totally different. But um, watching this tournament, every team there earned it. I mean, you got to make baskets when you got to make baskets. And and uh, you got to be clutch. San Diego State did that. Um, and I get Alabama fans are upset, you know, because this is – I don't know what it is. I didn't know Tennessee was as bad as Alabama in the Sweet 16. But I think Bama's one in nine. Yeah. He's one in seven. And that's crazy to I me. Mean, Tennessee's had some really good basketball teams and players um, and also shows you how the NCAA is so weird. The least likely to go to the Elite Eight probably was that Kennedy Winston. What was that an eight seed that actually went on to the uh, <laughs> the Elite Eight? I don't know how many people expected that team to do it, but um, I think it was a great run. I enjoyed this team. You know, you know, taking all the stuff off the court that that went with it. But I loved watching this team play basketball, and I'm excited about next year. Your response to sort of the predictable reaction to this loss, especially in the wake of the offensive performance that Nate Oates has to, if not rethink his approach to offensive basketball, at least tweak it, at least allow some mid-range game and some things that happen between the backboard and the three-point arc. Uh, you think that's an overreaction, or do you think that's some some warranted criticism at this point? Oh, I mean, I get the overreaction, but you know, we did. Nobody said that during the thirty-one wins. You know, we never had a thread out there. Hey, I know we won, but we really need to tweak this system. Um, if the guy doesn't believe, I mean, I don't. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I mean, he's the coach. Same way I feel about Saban. But if he doesn't believe in the mid-range, then they're not going to shoot the mid-range. I mean, that's just kind of like a given. Also, there could be a guy. I mean, you watch the NBA. There's some guys that just can't help shooting the, you know, the mid-range. Kevin Durant's one. Devin Booker's another. Chris Paul. You know, there's there's guys. I mean, if you get a guy like that, I don't think anybody's going to say, hey, you know, KD or Chris Paul or. And I'm not saying that caliber. But I'm saying guys that that feast off that mid-range. I don't think he's a. You know, you'd keep those guys, take that element out of the game. But I didn't really see anybody on the team that wasn't that really looked like they were going to be great mid-range shooters. Did you? No. And look, that goes back to recruiting, too, right? You're recruiting a specific type of players. And if you start messing with that, if you like Nate Oates' recruiting efforts to this point, not just in terms of high school and junior college players, but what he's able to attract in the portal as well. Then if you mess with this system too much, Tim, you might also mess with what he's been able to do on the recruiting trail because guys like playing in this system, don't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They do. The transfer portal right now, you got a ton of they've got way more people interested in spots. It's turned sort of very similar to Alabama in that regard. You've got a lot of guys. That's a fun system that they want to play in. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think that's definitely a plus, uh, you know, and, you know, again, it's easy. I mean, you see those guys, everybody can't shoot the mid range and here, you know, we get into the old man, get off my lawn theory mean you have, but when I was playing basketball or watching basketball, mid range was part of the game. It was the pump fake dribble twice, mid range shoot. That was just something you practiced all the time. You remember that, right? All the time. Get, the, get to the elbow. Yeah. Fake dribble twice, pull up. I mean, that was just as common as the, uh, the jump step on the on the, you know driving to the basket, the jump stop and the step through, which you never see. There was just so common things, um, but now you just don't see it. I don't see kids. I can't. I don't imagine kids are in their driveway working on the mid range. I imagine they're working on their dunks, working on their finishes at the rim, and and shooting from deep. And that's what you see. I mean, that's it's the world you live in. Um, I mean, that's what you see on highlights. You know what I mean? That's that's what you see. That's what you see most of the highlights of. So that's probably what the kids are going to do. Uh, but I don't think if you had somebody that good at the mid-range that they'd be opposed to it. I just haven't seen anybody that could just wear out the mid-range. It's not as easy as it sounds either because there's I think, that many doing it in the NBA. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but, of course, you'd like to add that as, you know, getting to, the, you know, getting to the cup or, you know, shooting outside the arc. You would like to be able to add the mid-range. That would be ideal. But I agree with you. I don't think you messed you mess with this system. I mean, this is uh, – you know, this is two Sweet 16s, two SEC championships. Um, I don't think you mess with this right now. And I think they have a lot of talent coming back next year. I think they'll add some talent, especially in the portal. And they got a good class coming in, a class that's not built on guys that will be one and done most likely. A lot of those guys probably are going to be program guys. So, and, you know, you got a lot to build around with that. Yeah, I, I think if there's anything, and maybe this is something Nate and the staff already addresses, with the players is that sometimes they do get into trouble playing off one foot, right? And it, it, not enough, maybe jump stops and pitch uh, in, in certain situations. And I thought Noah Clowney was a guy who came in just sort of with that natural ability to do that sort of instinctively. Uh, otherwise you do run the risk of turnovers because you get up in the air off one foot uh, are the charge takes, you know, against good connected defensive teams. Uh, once they see you on tape, they get their rotations and their coverages right. And they're able to step in and create some of those uh, opportunities. But when I think about what Alabama has returning in all likelihood, I look at a guy like Jay Bradley. And my first thought is uh, he's going to have to become more of a uh, prolific three-point shooter you know it's something he didn't need to do as much with this team uh but when i look ahead i think you know Jaden bradley is is a guy that's going to have to knock down more shots from the outside i tell you what drives me crazy is when guys turn down open threes tim take one dribble step a foot inside the line and take a two i know that drives nate oats crazy too yeah that's a wasted shot i mean you're you're gonna have and I, i agree i mean i think right now when you look at the roster there's a lot of portal guys interested in Alabama. I think the Alabama staff would like to get more experienced, more comfortable guys that fit in their system. Some of these guys are going to be faced with tough decisions. I mean, there could be guys on the on the team now having a discussion of how they fit in uh, with Alabama. And, you know, we've seen guys leave that played in the program from one year and left and went other places and did well. So there's a lot of tough decisions to be made here from the staff. I mean, you got two coaching changes, you know, on top of everything. I know right now Petway and, and Oates are out, you know, you know, scouring. And a lot of guys, again, a lot of transfer guys are already interested in Alabama. And you look at their class coming in, I don't know how much immediate help 
as in what we saw. And you got to we got to change our perspective because we saw immediate help from Brandon Miller like we've rarely ever seen. We saw a true freshman come in and be the best player on the team. That hasn't happened a lot at Alabama. Um, but you got guys coming in like Chris Parker and, you know, Mohamed Diabite, who I think is going to be a contributor because he plays D and he can run the floor. Sam Walters is a big guy. And R.J. Johnson, two guys you kind of figure out where they fit in. But, hey, remember, this time last year, no one was talking about Noah Clowney. Nobody nope. was talking about Noah Clowney as a lottery. Alabama, Antoine Petway, hats off to him. He was convinced the guy was a lottery choice. Now, whether he's a lottery choice or not, to me, is irrelevant because if he came back, he definitely would end up in the lottery, I think. But he's going to end up a first round pick and quite the steal that Alabama got last year. Yeah, and that's why the return of Nick Pringle for another year could be especially important if Clowney does go ahead and make that jump. And so I think what you're saying here, Tim, is don't be surprised by anything probably that happens portal related. Look. There's the likelihood that Alabama's going to have some guys or a guy go into the portal and leave the program. Even in a situation where Alabama plays 10 or 11 guys, you know, sometimes that guy 9, 10, or 11, if he's coming back, is going to think, well, I can go somewhere else and be a three or a four in, in the rotation. So uh, yeah. is that what you're anticipating, kind of a revolving door situation because of what college basketball is right now? I kind of think it's just like, you know, it happens at Alabama. You have guys sit down and talk to the coaching staff and say, is this a good fit for me? You know, the, you know, with the, you know, one thing I do appreciate about Nate Oates and Nick Saban is that you can sit down and ask them where I, where I, where I fit in here and they're going to tell you Um, that, you know, it might not be the best, you know, you might not be what you want to hear, but often the truth is the best thing you can hear because if it's not the best place for you, if you're going to play eight minutes next year, for instance, and you want to play 30, then you at least know, you know, you got to go somewhere else to get that. So I think there's going to be tough conversations. Um, I think some of the kids obviously will look and, you know, want to know how do I fit in. And uh, there's opportunity. I mean, you're losing some guys, some talented guys off this team. So there's going to be opportunity for other guys to step in. I mean, Brandon leaves a huge hole, you know, Clowney leaves a huge hole. So you've got guys that are, you know, that are leaving that can step in. Um you know, you know, still waiting to hear what, you know, Quinterly does also. And I think he's on the fence right now. So you hear all that stuff and then, um, you know, you hear you get your feedback and then you make your decision. I think everybody shakes hands, walks out of the room and you move on. Yeah. And decisions with guys that still have those to be made. Obviously, what we're saying here is could impact whether or not guys come back. Right. Or go to the portal and look to move on. It's uh, to other situations. It's a domino. Basketball is a domino effect more more so than any other sport. Because if Quinterly comes back, how does that affect Bradley? I mean, you know, just right. small things like that. Because it does affect them. They're both lead guards. You know, so Clowney with Pringle. Yeah. So that, if that I'm is, Pringle and I got a I got one year left and I got Betty Ako and Clowney coming back, I got to think about that. That's the stuff that that's the stuff that factors in. I think a lot of it's to be determined. I mean, I fully expect Brandon Miller to go and to be a high pick. And no, for those discussing, I don't think his his stock dropped based off the NBA draft. And um, I expect I think Clowney is going to tell Alabama staff sometimes this week that 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 he's going pro and he can't blame him. I mean, he's going to be a you know, a first round pick, a top 20 pick. I mean, you go from basically a three-star guy to a top 20, 20 pick. And I love, I'll be honest, 
I love Clowney. I can't wait to see Clowney three years from now. Do you think, though, Tim, do you think he might take the approach of not signing with representation and going into the process initially? Or do you think it's just, I'm gone? I don't know, Noah, that well. I would think that he's probably gone. I think he's got feedback that he's a first-round pick, and that's right. enough. Um, also, he's young. I mean, this is a pretty young guy. For, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's young for his class. But um, I think he's likely gone. Um, and also, I think that he's going to he's going to get some, uh, you know, when he does a workout. And we said this about Josh Primo, you know, a couple of years ago. Somebody's going to probably fall in love with Noah Clowney, especially yeah. – when you're drafting at 14, for instance, which is roughly where Primo went, what are you getting better upside-wise than a Clowney or a Primo? You know, there's not a lot of guys you're starting to get into the fourth-year senior, <laughs> the fourth-year fourth-year senior, and the you know the guys in fr- you know in France. I mean, so Clowney's a guy that when he fills out, he's still a string bean. He, he's gonna he's gonna fi- finalize his shot. Um, he's like, a, I don't want to compare him completely, but he reminds me a little bit of Jaron Jackson. You remember him? He's with us yes. now. Yeah. Uh, Jaron's a bigger guy. I think he's closer to seven foot. I'd have to look that up, but they've got that same skinny frame. He played at Michigan state, uh, got that same skinny frame, can shoot the ball. Um, yeah, Jaron's six foot 10. Noah's probably six, eight or six, nine. Jaron can shoot the ball, watch him with the Grizzlies. His body filled out. He blocks a lot of shots. He's a three and D guy, um, you know, for a big guy. I think Clowney could play a similar game to that, more in the power forward position. But I think he's capable of shooting three. He's just going to fill out. He's going to have that shot. So again, I'm just, you know, I'm rooting for the Pelicans to draft him. <laughs> I'll wait on you, Noah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him down in Nola, no doubt about that. So as we transition into other sports in the spring, obviously. Alabama football at the top of that list. Wanted to ask you about Bryce Young and the Alabama Pro Day event here of the last week or so in general. Obviously, Bryce's throwing session was under the microscope for reasons I don't think either one of us are all that sure about. He's shown you on tape over the last two years exactly what he can do. And I thought Nick Saban had the appropriate answer to the questions about his size and when he said, well, let's ask the teams he played against whether or not his size was that big of an issue. And I uh, thought that was about as well as you could answer that question. Uh, your thoughts on Bryce coming out? It was kind of a C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis stretch right there for the Carolina Panthers. Everyone involved with the Carolina Panthers organization seemed to make those three trips in succession there. Uh, any thoughts on Bryce that are different? from what you had going in or pretty much the same? It looks like his ball placement was exactly what we expected it to be. You know, um, had a couple of drops there, which were unfortunate, but I mean, I've never, I've never been over, overly critical of Bryce. I thought he was a, you know, one of the best players I've seen at Alabama. Obviously um, I didn't, I really would have liked to seen him with the smorgasbord of uh, uh the, the wide receivers that we that we're used to. I mean, I think he did about as well as he could. Probably didn't have the year he wanted to this year. I mean, there were times he held the ball. Uh, I think we all agreed long trying to you know trying to extend the play. Didn't trust his wide receivers. Didn't always trust his line. But I mean, to me, I I don't I don't think there's really a discussion outside of Bryce and Stroud. Um, 
I don't think there's a discussion at all. And I don't think that Stroud is being discussed as much just with the media, except he, the way he played against Georgia, which is yeah. about, which about what Bryce did the year before um, to Georgia in the SEC championship game and for a half in the in the national championship game. So I think Stroud's got that. Um, you know, I'm only I'm only Bryce. I don't have even a strong feel, though. It'd be cool to have him number one if you're an Alabama fan. But I don't necessarily think Carolina is a better situation for him than Houston. Um, I'm not sure either's. <laughs> I'm not sure either's a good situation for any of those quarterbacks. But I'm not. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not going to buy Levis. I'm not going to buy Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, I'm not going to buy those two going over the uh, the Bryce or Stroud. But I mean, it's the NFL. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to consistency and performance on tape, I, I think the the gap between Bryce and Stroud and Levis and certainly Anthony Richardson is massive, not just a little bit. And Stroud did have the Georgia game. He had some really nice games over the last couple of seasons, but it wasn't week in and week out like it was for Bryce. Now, Bryce had a couple this past season that probably weren't up to his standard for some of the reasons you outlined in terms of supporting cast, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I I don't, I don't know how you can look at those three or four guys and say, well, in terms of what we know from the previous level, it's pretty much the same. There's no real difference. Obviously there's a, there's a big difference there. And for Nick Saban, Tim, how important do you think it is for him to have that number one overall pick? I mean, obviously for recruiting it's big, but, I don't think it's something he's experienced. Well, I guess with Jamarcus, would it, well, was was he Jamarcus? Yeah, I guess Jamarcus though was went into Saban definitely went, recruited Jamarcus. Went into less, I guess maybe Jamarcus did. Yeah, I mean Saban recruited Jamarcus though, right? So right. That, that's got that whole thing. I mean, I think what we know about Saban is he's goal oriented. You know, I remember me and you kidding around. Of, you know what? Just a few years ago, where we were. I mean, I, I was kidding around, but I'm serious. I think Nick Saban basically is trying to sign somebody from every state in the country. You know, you play that game <laughs> when you're a kid where you're driving, your parents tell you to find all the tags. I even do, did it with my kids when they're young. So you're trying to find 50. I think Nick Saban did it with recruits. He went to so many different states. So we know he's goal oriented. And also, you know, I think this would be a big, a big feather in his head. I don't think it'll be the end all be all, uh, you know, either way, but I do think it would be good. I know the Bound fans would be pretty excited. You know, that's the thing. And, um, um, I could see, definitely see him going number one. There's been a lot of talk with Stroud and with quarterbacks. I mean, it's almost like, you know, you know, a guy picking a wife or a wife picking a husband. It's really beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You know what I mean? So there's no telling what some of these guys are, are, are looking at. And, um, I do think the better, you know, I hope Bryce, I just personally hope Bryce falls into a, a good situation. And, yeah. Carolina seems to gave up a lot to get to that one spot, you know? Well, what I don't like is they give up their best wide receiver, right? To the Bears. So, like, yeah, it's great to go number one, but who the hell's going to be working on the outside for you? you DJ Moore like it was a... (laughs) Yeah, like he was a punter. You know, yeah. or something. That one, you gave him a bunch of first round picks and threw in your. Oh, by the way, here's our number one on the outside. Enjoy it. Yeah, here's yeah. I yeah, Jamarcus. Jamarcus was uh, the number one pick in 2007. Of course, that spanned over into the Les Miles era at LSU. But of course, Nick yeah. Saban recruited 
uh, Russell to LSU. You know who else Nick had uh, at Michigan State, right? Tony Mandrich. Remember Big Tony? Did he? Yeah, he's yeah, number two overall back in the day. Uh, or, or at least, or at least Nick. Yeah, that was with Nick up at uh, up at Michigan State. So uh, we'll see how it plays out this time around. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> well, actually, I'm wrong on that too. That was before Nick. So yeah, that was George Perlis era. Uh, I think Nick may have been there at some point during that, but. Yeah, I'm over on those today, so we'll just keep it moving. How about that? Hey, um, I wanted to ask you this, too, about Bryce's uh, pro day. I'm not sure how much you saw of it, but Malik Benson, the junior college transfer out there, having to run some routes with that group of Slade Bolden and Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton. Yeah, I like – oh, yeah, I watched all of his throws. You know, Benson, you know how high we are on him and um, expecting a speed guy to come in and have an impact. That's the guy I think most of them are looking at. A lot of speed on the, you know, we've talked about this, but a lot of speed in that Alabama wide receiver room, a lot, maybe the most ever from, you know, the first to the last player on average. So, but Benson, he's got a chance to come in and be an uh, instant impact guy. He didn't have the best quarterback situation in junior college. That was very sporadic. I'd watch his games, really hard to watch his games because you know, <laughs> he was never, never actually covered, but they couldn't always get him the ball. Get it out there to him. Yeah. 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 So uh, when we think about uh, this spring practice for Alabama, now we really focus on it and get into pad work and scrimmage work on the horizon here. Um, you know, you, you, you learn about the injuries that this team is, is dealing with in the offseason, more so just trying to get guys right for, for fall, obviously. Which one of these stood out to you the most? Was it Dallas Turner? Was it Deontay Lawson? Uh, maybe a Roydell Williams on the offensive side. Uh, some of these guys that are either going to be limited a good bit or out entirely for, for spring. Yeah, Dallas stands out to me only because, to me, he's probably the best of that group. Um, proving guy, I mean, you obviously want him healthy going into the season. He doesn't really have anything else to prove. I'm hoping Roydell's not a big deal because the guy's been kind of snake bit. You know, I'm, I'd like to see him have a chance to have a big year and He's shown us those flashes, um, and he was that way in high school. He's shown us those flashes that uh, he has a chance to contribute. He's going to be fighting a freshman coming in, but he's a guy I'm watching for, too. Yeah, in terms of who benefits from these absences, too, right? Inside linebacker with Deontay out. You got Justin Jefferson, Trez Marshall coming in as junior college and four-year transfers, respectively, Jihad Campbell coming back, Sean Murphy, Kendrick Blackshire there at inside linebacker, uh, a number of guys to consider, I guess, based on the route Alabama took in bringing a couple of guys in here most recently. Uh, I got to think Jefferson and, and Marshall uh, would be would be high up on that list. Yeah, I think they have to be. You know, Alabama's did a really good job with their transfers and junior college. I mean, they did a really good job of evaluating the guys they want and need to come into play. There hadn't been a lot of wasted, you know, scholarships in that area. Marshall, I think everybody's excited. I know I'm excited to, you know, to see see him play. I've talked to the Georgia people, and they said just fell behind good players, stayed injured. Uh, so a good, healthy year. You know, there was a lot of talk about him when he was healthy. A good, healthy year at Alabama could really, you know, really, you know, up his stock, obviously – and help Alabama out. Um, I was looking forward to seeing Lawson, though, too, so that was disappointing. 
for me, we really didn't get a ton of look of him looks at him last year. So I was hoping to get a look at him this year. Well, Justin Jefferson, when you watch his junior college tape, that's a dude that can go sideline from sideline, uh, can can really play off the ball. Be interesting to see how much, if any, uh, he gets a look maybe in, in the middle linebacker position. Trez Marshall is a guy that's been around in a system that's very similar to Alabama's. Uh, should be able to handle both the weak side and Mike position. And again, you've got some promising young players looking to push their inside as well. What about outside with Dallas Turner out? Obviously, Chris Braswell, it's it's that time for Chris Braswell, right? The former five-star. Uh, you've got some other guys like Hugh Robinson. Um, you've certainly got Jeremiah Alexander going into his second year in the program. Uh, there's some opportunities for some guys that – uh, might be wise to take advantage of it because you got a couple of monsters coming on campus in late May, early June. Yeah, I would have loved to see um, um, Keon yeah. Keeley. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see him in that situation. But Razzle's the one. I mean, he's shown us enough. He's had enough plays for to get excited about. So you often wonder, you know, when he's going to get that shot. Is he going to capitalize on it? This is his chance. I mean, he's got playing time available. Obviously, they got other guys coming in that are going to push, but he should have a he should have a huge advantage on a guy like Keon Keeley and uh, you know Yonze Pierre. I'm not don't want anybody to sleep on that joke. I mean, yeah. we haven't seen him for a minute. No, no telling how big he is. Um, you know, two fifty when he shows up. Yeah, he was, you know, he was getting big quick. So uh, just got that natural body, carried the frame. Still, you know, despite that extra weight, was still flexible. Still looked fast. Still kept all of his all the skills that we liked about him. So, yeah, I think this is a good chance for Campbell. Alexander, I think he's a that guy. I know he's super competitive, puts his hands on you. He's going to lock down that edge. I don't know how flashy he's going to be, but I think as far as doing his job, I think he's a guy that's going to gently work in there and get more playing time. Yeah, and there are some guys, certainly, that, again, the sense of urgency uh, needs to be there because big-time help is coming in the summertime at the outside position. Hey, um, as we get through here and we go through some different topics on the latest edition of T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast, you know what season it is officially, though? It's Jim Nance season. The iconic play-by-play voice for CBS Sports was going to ask you, Tim, of his three primary gigs, the NFL, the NCAA tournament, which will culminate with his final final four he's stepping aside from that role after this run in houston coming up and his work on the pga tour most notably hello friends when we talk about the masters of course which of those roles are you most envious of of the life of jim nance of this uh this tremendous life that he has with the nfl the ncaa tournament and the pga tour which of those three uh, would you covet the most of the of those roles? I look at what I'd like to do. I'd probably like to golf the most. I think yeah. I'm not a golfer. I just think, you know, the weather's usually fantastic. You usually got gorgeous women there, golf. <laughs> the pace is reasonable. You get plenty of breaks, plenty of stuff to set. And he's getting to see every hole. He's getting to see every big shot. You know, he's getting to see all that stuff. He's not having to follow anybody around or just waiting and that's part of my problem with golf. Like I could never attend it, so therefore it's hard for me to get into it because I can't just follow. But um, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to the Players Championship one year. See, we're gonna go. We're gonna go on a Friday, 
and I'm going to take you to Sawgrass, and uh, we're we're going to get your perspective right like, on that. Do you, like, do you follow a group? Around you know, I, I really don't, Tim. I've got you know, like, you know, oh. how, like, the players. Everybody wants to see the 17th hole because it's the Island Green. I'm sure you've seen okay. it. Uh-huh. Everybody sits in that. It's become like a stadium environment, and it's really a good spot. Not just because the 17th is there. But the 16th green is right next door, and that's a par five. So you get a lot of action in there. It's a great spot. Don't get me wrong. But I've been to so many of the players that I actually go over between eight green and nine T. I can watch the shots come into the par three eight. And then I get to watch guys like Rory McElroy take the driver and absolutely blast it off the night T because it's a par five. So it's not as oversaturated with fans there's still the great people watching there's still food and beverage tents right there and uh that's kind of become my spot so i don't i don't track around but with you i would take you around yeah i'd show you the favorite spots we would do some hiking um but uh someone that goes has been on a fairly regular basis in the past i I don't do as much of the uh the following of groups fans ride around with the carts can i rent the cart you can't do that well maybe we could work something out you know maybe we could get a blue pass just went uh to an event in austin i don't know what it was called yes it's the wgc match play that was over the weekend there at austin country club yeah yeah he got to he got to see that was pretty excited so yeah photos it looked cool i think the key for me with golf is how's the weather if it's a good weather day I probably would be okay if it's hot and muggy. I'm probably going to. Well, that's why you'd like the players. It's in March, you know? So it's a little, the problem with March in any part in the South, as we know, unfortunately, and we were reminded of this tragically here in the last week or so with more tornadic uh, conditions is that, yeah, it it can still be a a little bit unpredictable. So you're going a PGA tour for Jim Nance. I thought you might, I thought you would go NCAA tournament. So I'm a little bit surprised. I'm with you though. I'd go. Uh, I'd go PGA Tour. Well, for me, I'm familiar with NFL. I'm familiar with um, the Final Four with basketball. I've did both of those things. I never did golf. It looks fun. I mean, every golf movie, you know, you know, Happy Gilmore to Tin Cup. I've seen them a hundred times. So the the golf itself is fun. I just I'm just not a golfer. Yeah, like, and uh, Nance, the guy that was messing with the big Lebowski, he said, "You're I remember we dropped the bowling ball." He said, "What is this?" <laughs> He said, you're obviously not a golfer. That's me. I'm oh, a, gosh. I'm not um, <laughs> and, and not to drag us back in, you mentioned bowling, and here I go. But we talked documentaries on the show last week. And have you seen the PBA Tour documentary? I guess it's been a few years now since it came out. A League of Ordinary Gentlemen. Have you seen that one? Have not. Oh, my gosh. I, I, you got to see it. I, I just checked that one out in the last week. Um. It is, it is tremendous. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy that. Trust me if you check that one out. So, uh, we both go PGA Tour for Nance. He's got that great stretch coming up where he calls the Final Four. Immediately goes to Augusta to call the Masters. Just doesn't get any better than that in a one-week span. You got baseball. You fired up about that, Tim? Can you yeah, smell uh, it at this point? We'll switch to Alabama, man. That is a friggin'. They have their. What are they? Two and four. Two and four in the SEC. They dropped their last three weekend series. If you go back to Columbia, they've had some brutal losses. Their Friday night loss was four to three in extra innings. Blue one at Florida the week before. They're very close to winning a series. 
Um, you know, obviously, just just tough. I mean, where do they go now? To Arkansas, I think, top five team. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, yeah. if you're waiting on the the break in the schedule and baseball cool. in the SEC, it, it con- you know when the break comes when the season's over. That's it. That's just, I mean, that's just brutal. I mean, they go straight to Arkansas, Mississippi State. I don't know how they are this year. Just brutal. But yeah, I'm excited about baseball. We've got opening game Thursday. Um, I'm always excited to see. Uh, I know the. Uh, I'm curious to see there. I still every day I still see issues with the with the shot clock or the pitch clock or the batter's clock, whatever they're calling it. Guys that still don't seem to understand the rule. Um, I'm okay with it. I just again I've said a million times I was never like I wish this game would hurry up. I was always okay with the pace. The speed up pace is probably going to be fine. But I'm excited. Major League Baseball is here. You know a lot of people are. To me, it's not. It's really on the verge. When you get to spring practice, this is none of those windows that I love because you got spring football practices here. You got the NCAA tournament. You know, at the at the very end, you got Major League Baseball kicking off, and uh, you got NBA playing, going walking into the playoffs. And if you're following the NBA, every single night in the West is a playoff game. You got ten teams. I don't even know how many it is. You got four through twelve teams within three games of each other. So every night's baseball. So it's a great time of year for me. Uh, you can't really run out of sports to watch. Yeah. And you know, not that they sponsor the show or anything, but if you're a, a T-Mobile subscriber, they've got those Tuesday giveaways. And I'm just seeing here today where they're giving away another season of MLB TV for free to their subscribers. So yeah, that's not a bad deal. Um, you know, we talk about Alabama baseball, circling back real quick, and this is the official home of Cade Woods fan club, by the way, the reliever who came in Sunday in that Kentucky series and uh, pitched three innings, gave up a bomb, but struck out four and uh, was able to close that thing down for the Crimson Tide. And yeah, it is a good time of year. There's no doubt about it. You, you know what else you got? I think tonight you got the McDonald's All-American game and uh Boy, Bronny James, talk about a tough spot to be. I mean, in in some ways, obviously, it's a it's a great life. If you, in many ways, if you're the son of LeBron James, but to be Bronny, uh, a lot of question about even his involvement in this game. Was he worthy of this selection? Uh, from that standpoint, not a lot of envy in relation to to being Bronny James. Yeah, and I know LeBron has said this before. He wish he he hadn't named him LeBron. Um, yeah. It's got to be a tough. Just got to be a. I can't imagine the road, um, you know, that he has to take being LeBron James Jr. Um, I'm not sure Bronny's the, you know going to be a great name when you're 47 with three kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're you're kind of locking yourself into that young single mingle nickname there that he's going to have to grow out of. But yeah, he's a. He's he's a heck of a basketball player. You know, the thing I like about him is um, I, I think he's as hard. You know, you watch his game and I watch this little documentary out of school. There's no doubt the work this kid puts into. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to say, you know, same thing they said about Steph and Clay Thompson. They had all the advantages. That's true. But a lot of kids have advantages of rich parents. Paris Hilton's a good example. Everybody doesn't take advantage of that those opportunities. Some of them just take it for granted. I like the guy because he works his butt off. Also, his brother, who, you know, two years ago looked like a, you know, a nerdy guy. He's turning into a pretty good basketball player, too. And he might be the guy. Yeah, he might be the one, right? 
look, I'm not a great LeBron fan off the court. I love his game on the court, but there's something about that guy living up to the hype and, you know, you know, being a family man this whole time and, you know, marrying a woman. You never hear his wife. His wife's just at every game, you know, supporting the family. You never hear a whole lot of drama with them. So there's something to be said for uh, for how he managed to be normal, because I don't even know how you can be normal with the height, you know, your, your nickname King James at 15 or whatever he was. I don't know how you can end up normal, but he seemingly, for the most part, is a normal human being. So, and his family looks, per, you know, relatively normal considering. Really good story today from the Los Angeles Times. You can find it if you Google it. Overhyped and underrated question mark. Do I sound like uh, Ron Burgundy there? Uh, inside Bronny James's senior season, it's uh, it's good stuff. If you want to kind of see what uh, he's been through and, and the highs and lows that he's endured really going back to his sophomore year uh, at Sierra Canyon, you can check that out at the LA Times today. So we got a lot to get into, a lot to look forward to as we move forward. And speaking of which, Tim, you ready to get in the mailbag? Yeah, I am. You ready to do it? Let's do it. All right, we will start with CJ Hornet 1 in the Roundtable Mailbag. Uh, he, asked, he asked about updates we can provide on basketball offseason, a lot of moving parts this year. So anything we have on Transfer Portal plus coaching staff changes. You know, I think we outlined this earlier, Tim. Uh, I don't know, maybe you have some specifics. Uh, I would think, though, for a program that is – two SEC championships in in the last three years, a couple of Sweet 16 uh, appearances in the last three years. Uh, Brian Hodgson was tremendous, uh, no doubt about it, especially on the recruiting front. Uh, Charlie Henry, when you're talking about a defensive guy, uh, certainly uh, well well qualified and very capable. Uh, but doesn't the, doesn't the list of candidates for Nate Oates have to be pretty – Pretty, pretty illustrious given the accomplishments of this team and this program over the last three years. Yeah, I think so. And you get two coaches getting head coaching jobs. So if you're an assistant, yeah, um, those might not be seem like big jobs to the fan, but that's a heck. Those are good jobs to start out with. Uh, Charlie Henry had a great reputation with the with the coaching the other coaches on the staff and the players. They loved him. You know, obviously, you know Brian. He's the big you know the big burly guy. You know what I mean? Like a bouncer of that team and. And uh, emotional, you saw how emotional he was on the sideline. I know the kids fed off that. And he was one hell of a recruiter, too. Yeah, you, you, no doubt. That kind of guy. Um, we have a live report right now on three is reporting. Namari Burnett has entered the portal, which is yeah. not going to be much of a surprise. Charlie That's Pop- what we were kind of alluding to there when you start thinking about who might be coming back and uh, you know, how the, the effect of that could weigh in on some guys. Uh, you know, if in fact that plays out, I, I wouldn't think uh, Namari would, would qualify as a surprise. If you were going to say, okay, a couple of guys from this team that are expected to return, hit the portal instead, where would you have had Namari Burnett on that list? You know, and I, when I did this yesterday, I did this and was trying to think it out to my uh, talking to myself, trying to think out loud who that would be. Namari was the clear number one to me. 
I mean, with everything coming back, with the guys they've got coming in, I thought Namari, and he got off to a little bit, um, you know, he stayed injury prone and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes you just. He's already hit it one time. Yeah. hit it from Texas Tech. And you you understand it from him. You know, this goes back to the, we understand it. You know, we understand, um, um, you know what I mean? So. It, the, only, the only thing I would say is if, if he is, in fact, leaving, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm left to, to wonder, uh, not really wonder, I, because I felt like since he was going to be another year removed from the knee injury, this was finally going to be the Namari Burnett people anticipated coming out of high school as a McDonald All-American, I believe, right? So... If it isn't Alabama this next season, uh, and since he's already transferred once, I'm I'm wondering if he's going to be able to go as a grad transfer. Um, this is a guy wherever he ends up next. I, I think physically, assuming he doesn't encounter another injury issue of some type, they're going to be getting similar to Trez Marshall in football. I think Alabama's getting Trez Marshall at the right time, given his injuries in the past at Georgia. I think the same is going to be true for Namari Burnett. I would agree. You know, he had that injury. He's looking, you know, kind of looking, you know, kind of looking like his old self. He gets the hand injury. And when you have those, when you have a cast on your hand, it's not a quick turnaround to get back to 100%. I mean, you know, we saw how long it took, like a knee injury with Quinterly and not, you know, how hard he did work. Um, you know, you, you, it takes a minute to get everything back, that functioning, everything in with that injury. Yeah, now I see Charlie's got it on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. So, in real time here on T. Watts and TR, some transfer portal news for you. And as we talked about earlier, it's head on a swivel season when it comes to uh, not only being a buyer where the transfer portal is concerned, but where players leaving your program, uh, that perspective as well. So, we'll continue to track that for you, obviously, with Namari and other situations involving the roster, CJ, as we move forward here in the next few days. Jam Bama has a litany of questions for us before we get to Ghost of Bryant and B underscore Rich underscore. Um, Jam Bama says the final four is dead to me. So, Tim, how much of the final four will you watch Saturday night? I mean, really sit down. Is it appointment viewing for you this time around, or is it just something that you know you'll, you'll check in on? Uh, where does that sit for you with San Diego State and Florida Atlantic and Miami and UConn? I don't want to watch these teams. It's nothing to do with Bama's. Where's not the star in. power, right? Who are the stars? It's nothing to do with Bama's not in it. I've watched every, and I'm sure I'll watch it. I've watched every Final Four. It's certainly not Bama being in isn't a prerequisite <laughs> for me watching the Final Four. It's just I don't love to watch these teams. You know, a lot of the guys. You know, K-State had the guard I love to watch. You know, Texas had a good Noel. team. UConn, yeah. really good team. It's not that I have anything against these teams. A lot of Cinderella stories, but, you know, it's just not, you know, I don't, I, you know, I say I won't watch it, but I'll end up watching it. I won't be as excited about it or discussing it like I usually am. So, Kind of like everybody has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Uh, everybody loves sort of an underdog Final Four until it's time for the underdog final four. And I think CBS is probably going to feel that from a TV ratings perspective. It's a Twitter final four for me. That's that. I mean, I'll, if I, if I really don't have anything else going on, 
then I'm going to watch the games, obviously. But if the wife wants to go to dinner Saturday night or there's something else to do, uh, maybe a concert or some music or something, I'll keep up on the phone. That's kind of what it is for me. Jam Bama also wants to know, Tim, thoughts on the Braves for the upcoming season. What about that shortstop situation and kind of how that played out? Yeah, well, they had the young guys go down. I mean, it's not super surprising. Um, you know, I trust the Braves. I don't always understand the Braves' management, but I trust they're capable of putting, you know, a team together that's competitive. They had a competitive team last year and one the year before. It's kind of frustrating as a Braves fan to watch other teams spend many, many millions, but at the same time, that's probably irresponsible. You know, probably some, you know, that's just the, you know, they've decided they're not going to overpay for Freddie Freeman. They're not going to overpay for, you know, for Dansby Swanson. They're just, and they've got a ton of talent still. I mean, they've got a ton of talent. They made a great trade to get Sean Murphy, um, very similar to the Matt Olson trade. I remember a lot of Braves fans were pissed about Matt Olson. Um, like he was a scrub. Then again, yeah. you know, if you're the fan that only watches your team. Yeah, he's out in Oakland. Yeah, right? well. You know, you, well, you know me and my late night hours, that West Coast, <laughs> Murphy were, you know, we were we were kicking it off into the early hours several times. So you knew him and Olsen were good. Also, the A's are, are borderline brilliant when it comes down to managing, you know, drafting players, trading for players. They do a great job. They've had unbelievable talent. Um, it's a shame. I just don't think they're ever going to be competitive there. So I'm excited about the Braves. Hard not to be. I mean, they're kind of in a position where they're built to last, I would think. And we talked about last week, the unfortunate situation with Edwin Diaz for the Mets uh, in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, that's that's not a good thing for the Mets there in the NL East. And Bryce Harper coming off his situation with the Phillies. Uh, Braves should be right there once again. Uh, Jam Bam also wants to know, T. Watts, are you ready for the road to the Cup? No, he's always trying to get me to watch Stanley Cup. I'm going to try a playoff game, but I don't think um, I don't think hockey is my thing. Well, maybe I'm wrong because I've liked soccer more than I thought I would. Uh, I think hockey for me, I got to be there. You know, I think soccer for me is just a that's pass. very that it, it's cl- it's cliche almost to say that. But having experienced it like that, it is a true statement. I don't disagree with that at all. I went to uh, Andy Johnson, um, who we work with the 24-7, with me at Rivals and now at on three. He took me to a Predators game, me and the wives, and I had a good time. I mean, I, you know, the one thing is I remember mm-hmm. seeing hockey on TV and thinking, why are these grown-ass men? The, the percentages of jersey at a hockey game is alarming compared to the NFL Major League Baseball. And then I get in there, it's cold as crap. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're not just being a fan. That's damn a jacket. You know, that's I get why they wore it. It was a little chilly in there, obviously, with the ice, which I didn't expect. There's a good breeze. These guys move a million hour, miles an hour. And I was really impressed with the athletes they are uh, skating back, just sprinting back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I understood it live more than I did on TV. I see why there's so many shift changes where the guys go in and out. I can yep. see more so. We'll see. I'll try it. I don't know if it's going to be me, though. Yeah, a lot of people are the same way with hockey as they are with, like, NASCAR. They're there for the wrecks or the fights, you know, and that's about it. But in person, it is the size of some of these guys, too. Television doesn't do it justice. Uh-huh. You know, you kind of you kind of think these guys all must be 5'8", 5'9", 100. No, 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 no. There's uh-huh. some cats, 6'3", 6'4", yeah. 220, just, you know, like Humvees coming down the ice. 
and wrecking people in the corners. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jam Bama also, what I player? I see why so many teeth are missing in hockey. Uh, you, you, guys knocking the hell out of it. You know, as soon as you're, if you're a, if you're thinking hockey's going to be your thing, almost as soon as your permanent teeth come in, you might as well go ahead and just get implants or something, you know, or just have them taken out because they're leaving whether yeah. you, whether you want them to or not. Jam Bam also, what player non-quarterback is in a make or break year for Alabama, Tim? Oh, I don't know. Make or break's tough word. Braswell, Lawson, two of those guys have huge opportunities to step in and, you know, stamp their self in that situation. Um, would it be unfair to say Jalen Milrow? I don't, at Alabama, I don't think that's yeah, unfair. You know what I mean? Is it unfair to say Jalen Milrow? Because, I mean, this seems like his year. You know, if you fall behind Ty or one of the freshmen, it just seems like it's it's a lot tougher road. So Jalen's big on the clock. Um, it's his chance to shine. So, He's getting a chance. This is it for Jermaine Burton. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, this is it for sure. So you got some guys um, with chances, with opportunities that, you know, they have a chance to step up and, and, you know, kind of fulfill what we kind of thought they were. Yeah, I think those are – Fair assertions. I would have probably started right where you did with uh, a guy like a Chris Braswell. Yeah, that's yeah. where it would have started for me as well. Um, Jam Bama also, which of the new coaches are we getting the most feedback from players? I guess the new assistant coaches. Still too early to tell maybe, Tim, or, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to see these guys on the road. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the, the ballast, he, he, he got good reviews from everybody that was, that, uh, I talked to around the, the interview process. He got good reviews. He's a good guy. Everybody thought he was a good coach. So we'll just have to wait and see. Not a lot of feedback from the kids yet. You know, it's, you know, you, you, not a lot of contact. So they're going to get a lot of more face to face in June. So still to be determined on that one. You know, time will tell in other words. Uh, in relation to that question, Jam Bama, finally, what signifies spring more? The masters or the pollen coating your car? That's uh, Jam, that's probably about a tie for this time of year. I, I think people would throw Major League Baseball in there, too, though, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that pollen, what the hell is that? I don't understand. Um, it's a plant. It's a plant from the the uh, allergy medicine where the hell is the plant can't we cut them down my god but it's literally a plant it's like allegra is a created pollen so that we have to we have to take zertec and and allegra and all that crap i go in the back porch which is basically the only you know the only place in the house the the kids and family won't bother me for the most part so i go back there i smoke my cigar make my work calls i take my computer i do whatever i'm going to do i have a tv back there watch a game or replay on mute while I do all that stuff. I'll walk out there, and if I don't think about it and flip those pillows, I'll sit down, and it's poof. It's, it's like a magical gold dust just surrounding me. Or I'll sit down and not realize it was everywhere, and I'll walk in the house, and you know the wife's like, oh, baby, you're covered in pollen. So I don't know where it comes from. I don't like it. I don't need – does it have a have a good do – we, do we need it? <laughs> no, we don't need it. Absolutely, I mean, we do not need it. Why can't we kill what produces? What what's what does it serve? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if 
what that that helps us with. Uh, goes to Bryant. If you had to pick today, who will lead Alabama in yards passing, rushing, and receiving in 2023? So let's start with passing. Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, or maybe a surprise. Uh, passing. I would definitely go with. Um, now I'm gonna go with Ty Simpson. You've been steadfast with him. Yeah. I think Ty, and I mean, there's nothing again, nothing against Jalen. I just think Ty's got that. Obviously, not as good an athlete as Jalen, but who is? But a good enough athlete to what you're seeing from Alabama with the, you know, with the Bryce type, and you know, the the you know the escapability of a Mac. You know, you're anticipating him having that. And he's a natural passer. Um, so I'm going I'm to go with Simpson. I mean, that's kind of been my pick to win the starting job. And it is just me playing a hunch. There's been no – I don't think it's a bit decided at this stage. In fact, I was leaning that Saban will go with Jalen Milrow first because he tends to, to go with the upperclassmen, the one with more experience. But I think at the end of the day, Ty's going to win the job. I think by that second Saturday, you better have it figured out because the yeah, Texas Longhorns are coming to test. Yeah, one way or the other. And I do think Jalen, now I don't know, I'm waiting to see if his passing improves, but I do know you can game plan around a guy like Jalen with his current skill set and cause people a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, I'll go, it feels like I'm going out on a limb just to maybe throw something different out there, but until I till I get more of a better sense, I'm still going to go with Jalen right now with the right, as you said, goes to Bryant. If I had to pick today, well, if I had to, yeah, uh, I'm going to go Jalen Milrow today. Uh, but I, I may change my mind, uh, between now and in early right. September it should tell us a lot. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, obviously we're going to overreact the hell out of a day. So much. That's One way or the other, we're yeah. going to overreact to that. We'll tell the coaches uh, basically all they need to know. Rushing, Tim, I'm going to go. I'm going to stay with Jace McClellan, too, um, if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's been the big if for him, unfortunately. But um, Justice Haynes coming in, Young coming in, obviously some talented young backs. I don't think you should sleep on Jam Miller either. In fact, if I was going to go with a – close second right now to Jason McClellan. It'd probably be J.M. Miller. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to go. I, you know, I still think Justice Hayes is going to have some some something to talk about in this. Uh, it's going to depend. Can he protect the quarterback? Can he pick up those blitzes? But a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, I mean, we've seen what kind of work ethic the guy's got. You know what I mean? So he's going to be a guy that's going to come in there and compete right away. But I'm going to go with Jamari Miller as the leading rusher. Um, nice. Small doses. Um, I'm doing a little bit on the edge here. I'm trying not to go straight chalk. I know you are too. But I saw enough of him last year to think this guy's a difference maker. And I do worry about Jace and his injuries and, and Roy Dale and his injuries and that kind of stuff. But, you know, that leap from freshman to sophomore for Alabama running backs has often been a massive leap for the great ones. You know, decent freshman year, see flashes. That sophomore year – they kind of take over, and then that junior year, we, you know, they go to the NFL. So I'll go with I'll go with Miller. How about receiving yards, Tim? Who do you got there? I guess we got to go with Benson. Although that's definitely the favorite. Um, I'm going to go with Benson because he's fast and he's wow. experienced, and he's on the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's on the clock for the NFL draft, so he's the guy I'll go with. 
I'll go. Um, I'll go with the guy that I trust the most right now. And again, if we had to pick today, I trust Jacory Brooks more than than any other guy they've got right now. I, I do agree, though. When you talk about potential on the outside, a true outside receiver, Malik Benson can be that guy, and so he can also turn 40 catches into 800 yards, right? 20 yards per catch, that kind of guy. Whereas uh, you know, Brooks and Burton, though, a year ago, they both averaged over 16 yards per catch. So that wasn't really the issue. Um, but there, there's some interesting options there. No doubt about it. We wrap up the mailbag with B underscore Rich underscore. Thoughts on Bama softball after a couple of losing SEC series. Can we get my girl Montana Fout some run support? I don't know, B Rich. It looks tough to this point. Right now, you've got an early enrollee that uh, feels like your most dependable option in that lineup. You got some veterans like Shipman and Prangy and Dowling and uh, Johnson uh, that you that you hope uh, kind of collectively reach some semblance of consistency. But you also have too many outs in that lineup right now that you can work around some of your proven bats and uh, pitch around and 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 get some outs that way. So. Uh, it's been tough the first couple of weekends, kind of like SEC baseball, Tim. There really, in softball, aren't a lot of opportunities to sort of catch your breath. Although, I will say this about Alabama's softball schedule. I do think over the next two or three SEC series, I think Mississippi State, South Carolina in there, maybe Missouri, uh, you've got some real chances to kind of get your legs under you and uh, pick up some needed SEC series wins after these first couple of weekends. Tim, what do you think? Are we done here? Yeah, absolutely. I think we uh, had a good one, and we'll see what next week brings. Um, we'll have a national champion, and we'll have a lot of, you know, I imagine we'll have a lot of basketball stuff to talk about. So, Yeah, we already uh, got hit with the real time on Namari Burnett today. So, look, as uh, we said, head, head on a swivel. Right now, transfer portal season never stops. Yeah, we'll just catch you guys on the roundtable. Hang out with us on the roundtable. You need to do that. That's where everything's going to happen first at BamaOnline.com. It's our premium message board right there at BOL. And, of course, just post up with us right there at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, we certainly hope you'll do so. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Wherever you consume pods, you are going to find us. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. And until next time, so long, everybody. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.